0: Welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 27 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley and welcome to 2019 for our very first episode we thought why not just kick it off with no other than mr todd hazelwood todd is a 23 year old v8 supercar driver who's finally made it to the main game after many years of being in the support category raising funds and pursuing his dream yes like every episode i am super excited to be talking to my guest today but uh, without a doubt, if you are an aspiring driver or you have an aspiring child that's wanting to be a V8 driver, there is nobody more down to earth and in tune with the general public, his fans, his sponsors, than Mr Todd Hazelwood. So I highly recommend today's podcast. So our special for the month of January is a signed shirt by Mr Todd Hazelwood himself. So if you'd love to leave a review about the podcast, I'd really appreciate it you head to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now Podbean, it would be greatly appreciated. Of course, guys, if you've got any feedback regarding the show or any guests that you would love to have on, um, please let me know at renovatetraining.com.au forward slash contact and I see what I can do for you. I really hope that you're getting lots of value from these podcasts. Um, I guess my main objective for the podcast is to add value to the beginner to amateur Motorsport competitor, um, and just helping you, um, I guess, skill your craft uh, around be- becoming a better competitor, both on and off the track. So, as a slogan state, um, motivate training is all about maximizing performances on and off the track. So, hopefully, um, through podcasts, through online training, and soon in two thousand nineteen, we'll be launching our membership site that you'd have. Um, Lots of resources available for you to get you not only to the V8 supercars, but hopefully overseas, um, but whatever it is, just pursuing your passion. So thanks again, guys, for tuning in and uh, let's hear from Todd.
1: So welcome to the show, Todd. Yeah, thank you for having me. Looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, I'm really
0: excited to hear about your journey um, through motorsports. So tell us, um, what age did you get started?
1: Yeah, for me, it all started young. I was uh, seven years old and got my first taste in a, in a dirt cart actually. So I um, raced dirt cars for five years and um, haven't looked back ever since.
0: And um, how did you get into karting? Was it something that your dad did? I know he was in motorbikes at one stage. Um, but, yeah, was he actually into the four wheels as well?
1: Uh, to be honest, not really. He uh, yeah, he had a strong passion for motorbikes. And growing up as a kid, he was um, heavily involved in desert racing. And uh, it was actually my godparents. They They actually come over one day for a state title for go-karts and they pulled the go-kart out the trailer and I was about four or five years old at the time and just thought it was the best thing in the world and that at that time was doing a little bit of you know super sprint stuff out at Malara in, in an old Falcon and um, you know, I was always at the racetrack every second weekend basically so always had a love for the sport and I basically nagged dad to the point where he brought me a go-kart when I was seven and uh, yeah it's been a hell of a journey ever since.
0: Yeah, and was it always your aspiration to race a V8, or what was your grand plan when you first started back way
1: then? Yeah, back back when I was a young kid, I was uh, fully obsessed with supercars, and you know, absolutely loved the V8 supercars championship back then, and um, certainly idolised a lot of the guys in the category at the time. And I think it was probably more as I started going through the ranks of motorsport and got out of go karts and getting into Formula Ford. I really, uh, I probably had sights set at a bigger picture. I was definitely aiming to go overseas and, and try and make a career in the European scene, but uh, you know it's funny how things can change. And um, you know, fortunately, I've ended up living my dream, being a supercar driver now. So certainly not complaining, and uh, yeah, haven't looked back. And did you go to Europe at all? Actually, never been never been over to Europe. Um, I had an opportunity to race the Macau Grand Prix um, back in twenty thirteen, but it, it never it never come through. And that was supposed for me. There was an opportunity that uh, looked back probably maybe wishing that I took on but at the same time you know I was just a young kid from Adelaide I had no backers behind me and you know we were trying to do the impossible at the time so we had to be realistic about our approach moving forward and and that's why we uh we leaned towards the the scene of racing in supercars and you know it's been fortunately for me it's been quite a successful trip so far.
0: Yeah so you mentioned you started out with the dirt cuts, and then at what age did you go to the Formula fours?
1: Um yes I started yeah, when I was seven and did five years of dirt karting, um, we won multiple state titles, never won a national title. We got second in my first Australian title, which is cool. It was a bit of a highlight for me. Um, i only just turning nine years old against 14 year olds. So that was pretty special. And for me, it was obviously to always go into bitumen. So we, hence why we made the transition to, to bitumen karting. Again, we had some really good success. And then when I was uh, 14, I got the opportunity to test a, a Formula Ford for the very first time out at Winton Raceway. And, that was all part of a scholarship program put together with Arrow Carts, arrow which I was a, a driver for at the time. So looking back at that, that was really gave me my first shot on the on the circuit racing scene. And yeah, it was uh, really successful. We finished second on debut and a fully sponsored drive um, at Malara in the State Series. And that really helped, I suppose, put my, my name on the map in the open, open wheel racing scene. But uh, we had to actually... Uh, just weighed out a year we had we saved a lot of money and we did a lot of fundraising in 2000 and in uh 2011 didn't do much racing at all to try and save up to buy a Formula Ford and and make that big commitment in 20 in 2012 to go racing in, in the national scene
0: mm-hmm. and then after Formula Ford,
1: yes yeah, so after Formula 4 we only did a year of the Victorian State Series and we got um, an opportunity to race Formula 3 in the national series so that was of Artec Racing, who are an Adelaide-based team, which worked well for me because I was in my final year of school, year twelve, and um, was doing a lot of mechanical apprenticeship, and that all that all bowed, tied in with uh, working at the race team and, and helping out wherever I could. So it was yeah, it was a quite an exciting year. Um, we fin- yeah we finished nas- second in the national series, which is pretty cool. And looking back, Formula Three was probably one of the most uh, one of the best race cars I've actually ever driven. That was a really cool experience, and certainly a lot a lot learnt a lot from a driver point of view. Formula Three was a, a great category for me. I certainly learned a lot over the year, over that course of the year, and you know, from a driving point of view, I certainly learnt a lot about driver technique and and trying to finesse the aerodynamics of the car. And you had to be pinpoint and accurate with uh, everything that you did. So I think that really helped me develop as a driver in that year in 2013, and that uh, certainly helped the transition when I moved into the supercars um, in in 2014, running in the Super Two series.
0: I'm just going to go back to schooling because of a lot of our competitors are quite young. How did you, oh, find,
1: the,
0: yep. how did you find the balance between like high school and um, competing? And definitely like yeah, it was, 12s because I know a lot of the boys are going to year 12 this year and so they're kind of just putting on a bit of a back burner.
1: Yeah, definitely. Year 12 was uh, well, all of schooling looking back, to be honest, was really tough because there was so much time spent away from school that it was, you know, really uh really tricky to try and manage it all and for me I wanted to be successful no matter what I did so for me you know school was an important part of you know trying to become a professional racing car driver because at the end of the day there is no dumb race car driver out there but you need your mass you need your people skills you need to have business skills um so try and achieve so um I remember back in the go-karting days we spent you know more time at racetracks than what I did at school at one point so yeah trying to manage the two was always tricky and spending a lot of my recesses and lunches you know trying to play catch-up you know, all, all the schooling that I've missed and all this, particularly in the later years of, year, you know, between year, years, year nine to year 12, you know, where there's a lot of study involved and um, a lot of exams. So trying to trying to ma- ma- manage that was uh, certainly a challenge, but uh, it's kind of one of those things, yeah, everything's going to be tricky, but it's just a matter of being committed and, you know, taking away the time that you would normally spend with your friends or family or whatever, just to you know, catch up and, and do what you want to do. So it's always a, always a sacrifice that, to try and make it pay off.
0: Yeah and back then did you do any other sports as well? I know that's another challenge that a few of the up-and-coming drivers have is finding that line you know they quite enjoy doing their soccer or their football and it gets to a point they've got to choose one or the other. Did you play any other sports or do you now?
1: Um, no I don't actually play any sports now but um, you know back when I was a kid I, I, I loved my cricket. so um, started at cricket at a young age as well and it, cricket worked back then in the simple days worked well because I'd race or well, play cricket on Saturday and then go racing on Sunday but um, to me motorsport was always the top priority it was always you know cricket was always just a bit of a hobby with mates and then doing the serious stuff on Sundays but uh, that'll probably dry it up at, when I got into year eight and um, yeah when when I suppose the motorsport dream got a lot more serious and yeah. and cricket wasn't really a priority. so uh, yeah, it's always been full sight set on uh, trying to achieve a motorsport.
0: So back onto your dream journey, Todd. um you just mentioned that in two thousand and thirteen you started in super twos. Um, how did that drive come about? Who was that with?
1: Yeah, it was actually a pretty unique opportunity. So in two thousand end of two thousand and thirteen, I was actually on a reality TV show with really? uh, the the Shannon supercar showdowns. so, it was season three of the show. It was the first time that Four performance racing had actually taken, taken grip of the show and, and ran it themselves. So there was two teams with Will Davison and Mark Winterbottom and uh, I was on the Will, Will Davison side and that was pretty cool and that actually part of being in that show was the first time I ever got to drive a supercar when we, when we moved on into the semi-finals. semifinals. So it started off as eight contestants, went down to four and that's where I drove a, yeah drove an FPR prepared supercar, called a park for the first time. and went on to win the show and and part of that gave me a testing program with full performance racing in 2014 so but really what it only eventuated from that was actually just a test day and unfortunately after that didn't really lead to much because i just didn't the facility to or or the car to uh to put me in a program in super two which they were hoping to do so it was kind of one one door closed and another one open with matt stone racing so got a phone call from Matt at the end of 2013 saying you'd be interested in the super two program and so yeah I flew up by myself and met Matt for the first time in uh, in January in 2014 and signed a deal that we had no help no way of uh, actually being out of trying to try and pay for and uh, we just took a massive gamble and and uh, yeah we, we turned up to Adelaide we actually lost our major sponsor Fujitsu in the process of that month which was a huge setback for us because they've been on board for three years yeah so we kind of went into the first Round of Adelaide with no sponsorship on the car and you know huge gamble from from us as a family because we all kind of sat down together and said well you know this is probably you know we've got a good car good team you know we had, uh, Ash Walsh who was going for the championship that year so he was highly experienced and we thought well if we don't make it now then we never will so we you know we essentially put all our eggs in one basket mum and dad had to mortgage the house and that, that got us going for a few rounds and then you know once we got the season running I was able to Bring some sponsorship in just to keep it going but uh, yeah it was certainly pretty pretty uh nervous times because you know, obviously that mortgaging the house is one part but that only that could only get you so far so that was just a, a bump start but then actually you know we, we were committed to Matt for seven rounds and you know we didn't have every round we we're just getting through in the skin of our teeth so um it was 2014 was definitely a tough year but we had some we had some good speed and good results for our rookie year and we ended up winning the Mike Cable Awards for the, um, yeah, for the essentially rookie of uh, Super cars or Super 2s. So that was, uh, that was a really special achievement and, you know, to that point, that was probably the biggest highlight of my career. So, yeah, that was a great way to finish off 2014 after what had been, you know, tremendously tough for myself, the family and everyone, all the support network involved to make that happen was was actually something pretty special and that all went on to uh yeah keep keep building with matts and you know looking back now you know five years later here we are today looking into our second year main game so it's yeah been quite an incredible journey with Matt.
0: Fantastic. And was Fujitsu your sponsor
1: or wasn't Matt's sponsor? Uh no so I was actually part of the Fujitsu pool driver program, which wow. all started up in two thousand and eleven. So um we actually it was actually through Chris Jewell who was uh managing that at the time and that was when we saw, you know, McLaughlin was, was sponsored by Fujitsu and a Super 2 series. And um, essentially, they set that program up trying to find the next Scott McLaughlin, essentially. So uh, I was part of uh, seven drivers around the country in, in karting. And then that, they helped put a program together for me to make the transition to Formula Ford and then Formula 3. So they were a big supporter of mine. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, that all dried up, probably at the worst timing for us. But it was just one of those things and um we had to take the punches and 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 move on and try and make it happen and you know fortunately i don't really know obviously we we took a, a large gamble financially but uh you know we still we still play with that debt now but that's that's what we had to do to get that 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 start in in our motorsport to make it all happen
0: And Todd, you've mentioned that you've had to sacrifice, I guess, your teen years or your tween years, you know, wanting to to fulfill your dream, um, like doing um, outside activities and other sporting events, and obviously your parents mortgaging their homes. Um, What else have you done um, or sacrificed to make it to the top?
1: (laughs) Oh, look, there's probably two ways you could look at it. You know, you could look at it as a sacrifice or you can look at it as something that you really want to do and you just do whatever you can to make it happen. So, you know, everyone's got a different view on what's normal and, you know, yeah. what they consider a fun thing to do for me, you know, going away, racing and, and achieving at the highest level. That's all I've ever wanted to do was, you know, growing up as a kid and that's still what I want to do now. So, you know, I I think I was pretty lucky. I had some good, good mentors or you know, people that offered their support in the go-karting years. And now guys that probably, certainly had the ability and had some opportunities and presented in front of them but they just didn't get through those tough times and or didn't get through those teen years to keep themselves on track and then when they realized that uh, you know that opportunity was gone it was all too late so uh, that probably taught me a few life lessons before I uh, got to that point myself and you know, dad always said if you could get through your teenage years you know keep out of trouble and keep your head head you know we well, keep your head screwed on so to speak, and you know, that'll that'll certainly help you, you know, achieve what you want to achieve. And probably looking back, he's probably right because, you know, while everyone else is, you know, they're turning eighteen, getting their peas and out drinking and partying and whatnot, you know, I was uh I was there trying to do sponsorship proposals and calling people up and, you know, literally doing the door knocking. So uh, you know, it's just a matter of what you know, deciding what you want to do and just committing yourself to it to make it happen.
0: And I believe there was a Bunnings fundraiser Social- Sizzle as well.
1: I'm talking Yeah, there's a. Uh, yeah certainly plenty of uh, sausages were cooked in the process of uh, between 2012 and, and 2017 that's for sure so yeah we um, it was quite uh, quite funny how that'll come about I was actually selling chocolates at the time at school selling those Cadbury fundraiser packs and I was yeah. selling two or three boxes a day so I was using that to try and raise funds and then we thought well, what else can we do and then we yes yeah, started selling sausages and it used to be once a weekend and then it was two, two a week, and then at some stage it was three or four a week. So, well, Mum and I were setting up stall at, mainly at might at ten, and office works just trying to raise funds to go racing. And yeah, we, uh, you know, if we weren't doing that in 2014, 2015, and 2016, we definitely wouldn't have been able to get through. So, yeah, you know, if it was racing on Sunday, I was uh, cooking snacks instead. So. It was a huge family, which what helped us get us through. But it was also a good way of, you know, building our support network, you know, meeting new people and, and creating opportunities and, and being able to talk to other people that I'd never met before to, to try and get people involved in what we're trying to do. And, yeah, that was a great way of, of being able to achieve that. And looking back now, we've got, you know, a pretty, pretty, I think for a young guy coming through the ranks, I think we've got a good support network probably based around that just because we've been able to meet so many new people in the process doing what we're doing.
0: So the key word there, Todd, is networking. Is that right? Is that what you're saying?
1: That oh, definitely. Networking yeah. really,
0: that networking is really important to enhance your motorsport career.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you know, you need to be able to have a good reputation in in what you do, and you know, you gotta you gotta create an image of of who you are and, and what you stand for. And, yeah, and and trying to get people on board with you with what you're trying to achieve is, is it was always a tough thing. So to me, you know, like I grew up in a family. My dad's just a shift manager at the railways. You know, he doesn't own a do not doesn't own a business or anything like that. And um, you know, from his point of view, he was pretty limited. With you know, essentially the amount of contacts that we had to work with. You know, trying to find money. So you just got to put yourself out there, get on the phone, and and go to events, and you know, just try and sign up for whatever you can whatever you can do from an individual point of view to just meet people and, and um, you know, that's probably, from my point of view, that's probably been the best way for me to find sponsorship and, and um, get deals done is just by, yeah, putting yourself out there and, and hoping for the best.
0: Yeah, look, I was at the City Gym on the weekend just on the cross trainer and I was just, Talking to the guy next door, and he ended up being a business owner from America that's like starting a new business here in Australia. And I've got a meeting with him next week regarding sponsorship. So you never know when you're going to meet the right person. Um, exactly. But again, if I yep. never engage in that conversation on the treadmill, um, you know, I wouldn't be having that next step in, in a meeting with him. So I was just wanting to highlight the importance of networking. Um, I feel like a lot of the guys were wanting sponsorship just to come knocking on to their front door. And um, it's a very big part of the education process of getting themselves out there and trying to um yeah door knock if need be sausage, doing the sausage sizzles or um you know whatever it basically takes to try and find sponsors
1: yeah 100 and you know sponsorship at the end of the day is definitely the hardest aspect of what we do when we go racing so certainly not the most enjoyable and there's certainly a lot of no's in the process and there's a lot of humiliation that goes on when you're trying to get money so sometimes you know Question myself a lot of times. You know, why am I doing this to myself, and you know, why am I doing this to my family? But then, when you actually do get those breakthroughs, they're the, or the or the maybes, or the you know the possible yeses, they're the things that keep you going. And I think it's uh, yeah, it's important to not lose sight of what you're trying to achieve and and have small goals. You know, you if you're trying to find a hundred thousand dollars in one day. That's you know that's probably unrealistic. But if you're looking to find a thousand dollars off you know, even $200, $500 a day and just keep working away at that, you know, that's, that's what you have to do. And, and, you know, just keep, keep level headed. And, um, you know, the important thing is, as you said, you know, you just keep networking because you can never know enough people. And if you surround yourself with the right people and and successful people, you might just be successful with yourself if you're lucky and you take that all on board. And that was probably uh, what I was quite lucky in 2014 to come across a man of Jason Gomesall who, uh, who is the CEO of Seek Communications and you know we, here we are today in a, in a heavily joint partnership with Matt Stone and myself and Jason and we work closely together so you now that was just from a simple walking around doing a track walk at Adelaide and I you know, didn't even know who he was didn't know he owned a business just thought he was a really good guy and a good bloke and he turned around later later on that weekend and said oh well, how about I put a sticker on the car for you know it was nothing substantial it was just a small amount and and that you know, that partnership started from there and then turned out to be a, a major sponsor for three years in a row. Now, you know, our major sponsorship in the main Supercars championship as well. So never never take for granted who you meet and ne- you never uh, never go off face value. You are uh, you always gotta uh look past that and, and it doesn't matter what their appearance is or, or whatever, you know, you just never know who you can be talking to sometimes. So exactly. yeah, it's always a, a big thing when you're trying to Managed sponsorship yeah
0: yeah well that's a great story Todd thanks for sharing that one and how did you come across big mate and your relationship with them
1: yeah big mate's an exciting partner so uh, they're a, a GPS telematics brand um, or company I should say and uh, do a lot of asset tracking and uh, heavily involved in the in, in a wide range of markets um, so they don't just do um, buses and trucks and taxis and whatnot with um, tracking vehicles and and doing their programs there but also anything from a shopping trolley to yeah, you know, all the the smaller things that you wouldn't necessarily think of, they've got they've got something tracking that, and they've got systems in place to, uh, yeah, to monitor what's going on. So it's quite an impressive brand, and um, you know, from uh, our point of view, we come across Sam um, in this halfway through 2016. Started out as a just a, a minor sponsorship at at Sandown Raceway, and got to know everyone involved, and that eventuated into being a major partnership in my championship-winning year in two, two, 2017. Uh, where we won the Super two series together we had a championship debut um, in the main game championship as a wild card and uh, all doing that together we uh, then sat down towards the end of 2017 and we inked a deal to to do the supercars championship this season in 2018 and make that large commitment um, which was yeah really special so you know considering that that started out as a small partnership um, you know eventuated into something quite significant just in a, a matter of months so it's it's amazing what you can do when you when you firmly believe in, in the product that you're selling to someone and um, yeah, for someone else to see the to see potential in that and, and take, embrace it and take it on board. And, and, and they've had a, a great partnership with us. You know, they've been you know, super successful with the activations that they've done at the events and been able to generate a lot of new business, which is really exciting. So it's you know, although we, we go racing and you know, we get to put the car on the track, it is very, I, I find it very rewarding being able to put deals like that together and actually see, you know, the the benefit the benefits being re- being rewarded for the brand, and obviously, you know, they put a large commitment towards us, but uh, then ben- then actually being able to give it back and and show that the partnership works and what we have as a product is successful. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, I get a real kick out of that, and it's yeah, it's good to see.
0: Yeah, definitely one of the most rewarding parts of moral. I have to agree with you there. Um, so obviously, it sounds like Todd that once you actually sustain that sponsor, and you know it's not just about a sticker on the car, that you've been able to nurture and grow that relationship over the time. Um, what kind of things do you actually do with the sponsors, maybe off the track? Let's start. With. Yes,
1: it's a good question because you know no sponsor is the same, and you can never have a generic sponsorship proposal because every brand that you see they often want something different or they want to you know they want to see something unique and uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing of what we do we always try to offer an experience that's you know what we call a money can't buy experience essentially that uh, no one else at the racetrack can can be offered or you know it's not just simply giving them a ticket and getting them to turn up at the back of the pits it's much more than that and obviously from a branding point of view I look at that as a cream on top of the cake it's uh what's certainly what you do at the track, um, what we call um, event activation. So um, we essentially try and sit down with the brand that we're working with. You know, I'll use Big Mate for an example for this one. where, you know, we'll sit down with their management team and, or general manager and work out, you know, who are our key, key clients for this particular event? We're going to be racing in Adelaide, you know, so who, you know, if we, if we put five, five people together, who, who would best be suited to come out to that event? You know, do they have an interest in motorsport? you know are they potential clients they haven't been able to get new business with and we can use a you know, hot lap opportunity around the Adelaide circuit to, to lure them in to come into the events and and get them interested and then that helps starts conversations going with a potential business deal that they may have in the line and being able to grow that relationship at, at an event we find is hugely beneficial because they nine times out of ten they've had a fantastic time you know we've had honestly this year we've had a hundred percent Strike rate of uh, being able to turn have have clients turn up, or even if it's just staff turn up and have a fantastic time, which we take a lot of pride in, um, which is quite cool. And yeah, you know, that that helps the whole partnership. And then you know, it's the, it's the follow up from that for them to uh, then create that partnership and keep it building and, and hopefully put ink to paper and, and sign new business and uh, and see that and see the I suppose the benefits um, become real. So that that's one aspect. And then you know, from a we also have a deal with Optus, which is quite unique as well because we do a lot of uh activations leading into the events. So Optus is a very different brand to Optus, uh, to Big Mate again. So, you know, we do a lot of on site activation. What so we do signing opportunities, we do photo opportunities, um, we do um giveaway opportunities. So what we what we do there is we do a money can't buy experience where we, we offer tickets, a hot lap um and a VIP experience with the team. So that's probably a bit more unique um, because there's so many stores associated with Optus around the country. We we generally do that round by round, so we target specific areas that that they're that they're managing, um, yeah. and that all helps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, put that program together. So kind of gives you an idea that you know each brand is different. You know, some brands like the branding and they don't like much else behind the scenes, whereas other brands don't really care too much about the You know, the signage on the car, but they're really interested in what they can do at the events. So. Yeah, being able to to juggle that is is tricky, but uh, once you're, you know, it's it's always good when you can have a sponsor that's willing to work with you as well. But it's always about trying to be forthcoming, come up with the ideas in the first place to, uh, yeah, to make it all happen.
0: Yeah, and show them a little bit of initiative of how you can um, maximize their marketing opportunities as well.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, I think it's always important to uh, never be afraid to throw out left field ideas because. Yeah. sometimes you think that, you know, the most simplest idea, you know, they're well aware of when they're not. So it's always good to go into a meeting and sit down with them and work out, you know, what they want to get out of the sponsorship and, um, you know, then come up with a a very detailed plan and how to achieve that. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's always exciting.
0: Now, Todd, I read the other day there was a post and I can't remember which driver actually posted it. I'm not sure if you saw it, but they calculated they had done more hours in sponsorship talks, activations, meets and greets um in a lead up to an event then actually competing on the track. Uh, and from listening to you, I'm thinking it's very true. <laughs> what do
1: you oh 100 percent You know, from my time day to day at workshop is uh you know probably 90% of it is on the phone talking to sponsors, managing sponsors, organizing events or being at events. So it's um a huge part. I can't emphasise enough enough of uh, how much you have to be involved to to keep the, you know, to get the sponsorship, then keep it, and then service them. So it's uh massive what for what we do, and yeah, simply wouldn't. We wouldn't go racing if we weren't doing it. So I think a lot of people, you know, aren't, are unaware of it. You know, I certainly was even growing up as a kid. You know, I thought once you get into cars, you know, everything would be sorted, and you turn up your race suit and helmet and you go racing. But uh, certainly not the case. As, and when there's, you know, millions of dollars involved, that's uh, obviously there needs to be a reward in, in return for them as well. And, and I think businesses today are getting a lot smarter as well and they are understanding how to get more value for money out of the sponsorship that they're putting in. So, um, you know, there's a lot of marketing strategies involved now and and, and even uh, commitments and all the other aspects that go along with it. So, yeah, it's a big part of what we do.
0: Yeah, and like you said, though, is it one of the really important parts <laughs> So, t- tell us a little bit about what does your actual day or a week look like for you now that you're in the main game?
1: Yeah, being in Supercars Championship, initially not a lot changed for me because, uh, you know, we're a small team. I was still doing all the sponsorship, finding, you know, finding them and, and signing them all up and doing all their all their commitments and, and also trying to help out on the workshop floor where possible. But, uh, you know, it certainly learnt a lot this year. And, and to be honest, it probably wasn't sustainable. You know, we're a team that was trying to build and, and build at a, gra- a rapid rate, and um, simply just couldn't keep up with the workloads. So we actually uh, just recently have put on a, a new commercial manager for the team to start looking after sponsors and servicing. I'm still heavily involved with trying to help acquire new sponsors and, and speaking and doing the deals, but uh, just I suppose from a servicing point of view, just taking a bit of workload off my shoulders so I can focus on being more of a race car driver rather than an, uh, yeah, rather than everything else, which is you know important for me because I want to try and improve my skills I've never really had that opportunity probably in the last six, 6 or 7 years to be able to do that so yeah it's quite exciting going to the off season now the the couple of weeks that I have to uh switch off which I've learned is is very tough to do especially at this level so it's important to switch off have a rethink and and get prepared for another big year because uh you know when it comes to February we just don't stop until the end of the year and it, and it goes fast so yeah, um, yeah got to be prepared for that and um yeah hopefully we have a, a much better year in 2019
0: and so now that you will be focusing purely on your racing, um, what would that entail? Would that be like more training, like like focusing more on your nutrition, getting a site coach? We heard Scott had one last year. Um, you know, what does that now mean for you as a driver holistically?
1: Yeah, it's quite exciting actually. And I've been able to organise a fair bit in a short amount of time, but uh, you got a heavily detailed training program, both physically and mentally. So, um, I've always believed, you know, there's uh, the smartest driver always wins a race, and you know, getting back to that that sports psych- psychologist comment, you know, that's hugely important, and um, and being able to men- being mentally tough, you know, you need to need to be strong and and have good beliefs in yourself that you can do it, and uh, it, it seemed simple at the time, but then when you have a few tough knocks, you have a tough year, especially the year that we've had this season, it's tough on everyone, and, and it, it's amazing how quickly you can start second guessing yourself and and not believing in what you know that you can do, just, you know, the results aren't showing it. So, um, yeah, it's amazing how you can go from being at uh, at the top of your game to, uh, yes, all of a sudden start second-guessing yourself. See, I'll, I'll be uh, certainly working on that, you know, trying to get my fitness and, uh, and mental back to where I know it should be. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that'll help next year.
0: Yes, of course, that is a great point. I've missed out that you did go from winning the championship to to running at the back of the field in the main game. How was that jump for you? And if you want to talk a little bit about the, the psyche for you,
1: yeah, I think from a mental point of view, you can never be prepared for it, and it's always a big, it's always a big jump. It doesn't matter who you are um, and what you've done. You, it's just one of those things you're never ready until until you're in there. So it's just all about experience and learning. Um, I think the cars themselves, you know, they're not don't really change too much from main game to Super 2. I think it's just the intensity of the of the field. You know, you, you got 26 guys that all deserve to be out there and they all race hard and, you know, if anything, they race harder towards the back of the field because no one wants to be at the back. So uh, it, it's uh, tough going, you know, in, in the start of the races towards the back of the field and, and mentally tough as well because, uh, you, know, one, you know, one small opportunity and you get past and there's just a freight train of cars coming. So... You just can't afford to stop. It's pretty intense, and uh, you know, that's what we all love. But uh, you know, it does get compounding, you know, week after week, because we're doing it. At, you know, we're doing it at the largest scene. You know, everyone's watching. You got sponsors, sponsors involved. They're all got their expectations. And then when you're not getting the results, that you know that you you can't, you know, that just not, it's not coming together. It's that's all become compounding, and it's like a snowball effect. You go from one week to the other, and you know, you're just getting, you know, knock after knock. And normally in motorsport, it's quite easy to. To have, you know, have a bad weekend, you bounce back and you have a solid result. Whereas, you know, main game, if you're on the back foot, you just simply can't catch up. And I think the other thing too is the rate of development with the team. So they're always improving their cars and you can't afford to to miss a round of development. Otherwise, you can go into the next round even further behind. So that's probably the other surprising aspect that we've found this year.
0: And Todd, so you mentioned previously that you had mentors throughout your career at different stages. Do you currently have a mentor now in the main game?
1: Uh, no, I haven't really had any sort of coach or trainee in supercar program, but like especially in karting, I was it was more of just uh, race weekend mechanics that were helping out. But there were guys that are certainly skilled and had you know had opportunities to do great things, but just never kept, got the golden opportunity to, to keep pursuing that or for whatever reason. So, I certainly learned a lot of life lessons from them growing up, and you know we we're living out of a tent and trailer on race week. Ken, so I certainly got to understand who, what you know, what they went through, and and being able to, I suppose, see that from a young age gave me, I suppose, a wider perception, a perception of uh, what to expect when I made that next transition into Formula cars and, and, open wheel racing. So that 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 was really important. Just I think, you know, getting back to before, you know, surrounding yourself with successful people will help you uh, become successful yourself. And you know, it's funny, you can see some quotes when you grow up, and you don't know what they mean until you actually, uh. Have, have a bit of time to reflect once you've had a few years under your belt to realize what all this stuff means. So it's, um, yeah, it's quite cool now. You know, I'm 23 now and everyone still says you're young, but you're only young once. So you've got to make the most of your opportunities and yeah, it's always good to, to look back at all that sort of stuff and realize what helped you get there.
0: Yeah. And you just mentioned about surrounding yourself by successful people. One of those successful people in your life is your wonderful sister, Lauren, who we had previously on episode 18. Um, what, kind of role has she played in your success if any?
1: <laughs> oh no it's been a, a huge family commitment and um, yeah, it certainly wouldn't been able to do what i do without my family so you know from the fundraising efforts to, to Lauren doing you know a lot of the PR and digital work for me behind the scenes you know a lot of it was all well probably 90% of it was all unpaid work you know especially in those early years from go-karts and all the way up through my Super Two programme. It's only really been this year where I've been actually been out of pay or something for all the work that she does. So um, you know, she's heavily involved with what we've done and, and she's fortunately she is exceptionally good at what she does. And, you know, I think that her track record proves that as well because uh, you know, she's worked for CAMs and worked for a lot of individual teams and done a lot of work for everyone and um, yeah he- heavily involved with all that. So you know what she does is exceptionally good, which you know, helps helps my program too because it makes my my life easier because we've got good content she's very good at managing people very good from the the pr point of view and and uh you know lifts the level of professionalism from a, from our program um and makes you know helps help it help complements the whole program so yeah wouldn't be able to do what i do without her
0: and does she do your social media or do do you do your own media or do you have um, some, we, we, we should that? kind of
1: share it. So um, I do most of it. But um, on race weekends, Lauren does take over. She'll always ask me what I want to write and she'll put it together just because especially in between sessions at, on track, it's it's always difficult to uh, even get five minutes to um, you know put a, a Facebook post together. And it's certainly, you know Facebook post certainly not a high priority when you're trying to find a tenth of a second in a car before qualifying. So um, it's just all about prioritising what I need to do. And, yeah, she helps me do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Now for some fun questions, Todd. Um, do you have any um, superstitions on race day?
1: Um, I actually used to be very superstitious, but not so much now. Um, so, yeah, not not really. I'm a bit of a clean freak. So I always like mm-hmm. to have everything clean and organised before I get in the car. So, um, But other than that, yeah, nothing nothing too uh, out of the blue.
0: <laughs> and what about the food served in the marquee?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I'm... I'm probably uh, a bit of a gutser, so I, I love uh I love pretty much anything. So I've been pretty fortunate over the last few years where um Bev and Jimmy Stone, um, Matt's parents have actually been doing a team catering for a number of years now and I I tell you what, they're probably the best uh, best cooks up and down Pit Lane. So certainly we nice. get spoiled for food on, on race weekend, which is pretty cool.
0: <laughs> You've got to be well fed, well hydrated. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And just wrapping it up, Todd, do you have any tips or recommendations for those um, drivers that are aspiring to race in the main game or, or just wanting to really further their
1: career? Yeah, I think for anyone or any young listeners out there today, listening is, um, you know, definitely don't lose sight of your dream. You know, don't ever think that it's ever too big or or anything like that. You know, I was able to surprise myself and what I was able to achieve. by just uh, keep my head down and, and keep chipping away at it and, and, and remind yourself what you're trying to achieve. But also set small goals, you know, along the way. don't Obviously, it's important not to lose sight of the overall dream because otherwise, it's hard to motivate yourself, especially in those tough times, to to keep going. But um, if you use those small goals, they're the ones that that help you keep motivated, keep, get you out of bed nice and early, and keep training and get on the phone and trying to find money. So it's all part of it, yeah. And and I, getting back to surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, I can't emphasize that enough. If you see so many young kids come coming through the ranks and they've got a lot of potential and they just get involved with the wrong, the right oh, sorry, the wrong people and it's always a hard thing because you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you have to learn the hard way, but um, I think it's just being being aware of the situation you're in and and, and don't being afraid to uh, pick the phone up and, and speaking to these people as well. You know, people that are highly influential in, in, in this game. You know, I get a lot, of, a lot of requests of people not sure what to do. And, you know, it's just a simple phone call that can change their whole um, direction of what they were originally trying to do. So yeah, I think that's important not to be afraid to put yourself out there.
0: Yeah, and I well, think LinkedIn is a great platform for people to do that—to try and get to to network and to to establish their brand, and, and certainly to ask questions or to find mentors. Have you had any experience with um or success with LinkedIn?
1: Oh uh, yeah, LinkedIn's been good. It's uh, certainly an opportunity to to connect with some some people that you wouldn't necessarily actually get the opportunity to even meet with or speak with. So certainly a great way if they uh, certainly accept your request, and then you can start publishing online what you're doing and. and and trying to keep people updated with, uh, what, what you got lined up in the future. So it's a great way of, uh, being able to showcase that, but, um, yeah, I think simply just getting on the phone and if you can send the email or even just turn up to their office, unpronounced, you know, sometimes it's not the most ethical thing to do, but if you really are struggling to meet with someone, just simply turning up and, and hoping to have that five minute conversation sometimes can go a long way, especially if you're a young kid, you know, trying to make a mark, you know, sometimes you have to do these things left, left the field to, uh, Create an opportunity. Well,
0: thank you, Todd, for those words today and your time and sharing with us um, your experience of um, racing to the top. Um, before you go, uh, our final question is: What is your favorite racetrack, whether it's racing or viewing?
1: <laughs> Look, I uh, would have to be very biased, but uh, Bathurst <laughs> is definitely my favorite. It's yeah. hard to go past that, and um, you know, racing a supercar around there was unbelievable. It's the ultimate challenge and also raced a Formula Three car around there, but um, that was a totally different challenge again. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, racing a supercar at Bathurst is definitely the pinnacle, and yeah, it doesn't get any better than that.
0: And is that your favourite race meeting?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's uh, nothing else that really gets uh, the shivs up the spine like compared to Bathurst. And, uh, and growing up from Adelaide, I was uh, always, you know, always went to the Adelaide 500 growing up as a kid, and and um, you know, it's probably the second as a close second so uh yeah yeah between those two they're pretty <laughs> exciting events to go to
0: fantastic well thank you again todd for your time today and we wish you all the best in the 2019 supercar series
1: no worries no thank you very much for having me on the show it was uh, great to have a chat
0: no worries thanks todd no worries. thank you If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate Tea. Until next time, take care.